Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. This is Dr. Thaddeus Venture, and you're listening to the Long Box Guys. Whatever that means. the long box guys gonna do tonight brain the same thing the long box guys do every night pinky drink and talk about comics they're useless to taking over the world yes hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the long box guys with me as always are some of my very best friends since i was a very little kid mike manning how are you and what are you drinking sir I am doing well, and I am drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper because I have to go into work later tonight. I'm sorry to hear that you have to work tonight, but I'm glad you're staying sober for the country, buddy. Tommy, how are you doing, and what are you drinking? I am doing good. I am drinking some R-Stone Sea Cask. It is a delicious scotch. It sounds good. By the way, Mike, I just noticed you're wearing a Peter Potamus shirt today. Yeah, I got my uh, Peter Potamus and So-So shirt. I'm very excited about it. Excellent. What did you think of my – I have a, a new theory for uh, uh, movie guys. I want to make a, uh, a shot-for-shot remake of The Usual Suspects, but at the end, Kaiser Sose is Undercover Elephant. Wait, the whole time Kaiser Sose still looks like Undercover Elephant, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's Undercover Elephant. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good because okay. they probably would like to get Kevin Spacey out of that movie, so that would oh, actually yeah. be perfect. Seriously. Yeah. And so all yeah. we're doing is superimposing Undercover Elephant over Kevin, over uh, Stacey for In the entire film. Every single movie, there never was a Kevin Spacey. There was always Undercover <laughs> Elephant. Always American Beauty, Undercover Elephant. Yeah. Don't tell Martha's Vineyard that. They're going to have a hard time. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Oh, man, I would watch all those movies. Stacey, how are you doing? What are you drinking? I am doing great, and I'm drinking water out of Frankenstein. Out of Frankenstein, you 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 are uh, uh, consistency. Yeah, I'm nothing like, if not consistent. <laughs> Josh, how are you doing? And please tell us what you're drinking. Uh, I'm doing great, uh, and currently I'm drinking Sam Adams Wicked Hazy IPA, which is just them trying to rebrand their New England IPA into something more palatable for people who are actually living in New England. I, I was kind of hoping you'd have, like, a stout ale or something for tonight's topic. I, I did not. Like a tankard of something, a flagon. It's true. I could have gone that way. Should've I should have gone, gone that way. way. Someone should have noticed me, notified me prior to that. I would have done that. You know what? There's a second beer coming by the end of this podcast. <laughs> and there's a second beer coming right now. I'll get one. Okay. Okay, go get something Talk good. Talk into it. I'm going to pee, too, and I may or may not eat my mic. Tell me the mic is because this is the All Barbarian Show, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking about sword and sorcery and mythic epic proportions and tales and uh, how that sort of fits in with the Marvel Universe, maybe even the MCU Universe, if you expand your mind enough. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite sword and sorcery comic books. And um, we're really just been going over a lot of that and uh, some of the crossovers that you have even because – uh, I have a crossover that I love from Sword and Sorcery into the modern MCU. Uh, twice, actually. So we'll start talking about that. Who wants to go first with their favorite sword and or sorcery comic? 
Well, I'll go first, but uh, I'm going to need you to help with the backstory of it because I want to talk about my dad's favorite sword and sorcery comic, and that is Travis Morgan, The Warlord, uh, first appearing in First Issue Special number 8 back in 1975, then quickly went over to have his own series, which was canceled for a few months. Uh, and then when a new editor came in, she was like, why aren't you printing Warlord? That is the only comic you're doing that I like. So, <laughs> uh, so it is, uh, was written and drawn and created by a friend of the podcast, Mike Grell. And he told you, I believe, Tom, during one of your interviews, how the Warlord came to be. Can you relate that the Warlord. to us? Uh, I might not get everything right. I, 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 I know you know the story, too, so tell me if I get anything wrong. So Mike Rell goes in for a pitch meeting, and uh, he has uh, this thing all set to go, and it's immediately shot down. Uh, do you remember what he was pitching? I don't. I don't either, but he had something that they wanted him to pitch. And they're like, no, that's been done to death. We don't like that. It was a sci-fi something or other. And he goes, yeah, anything else? He goes, I got another thing that's great. You're going to love this, right? And he stands up because he has to pull it out of his ass. He pulled <laughs> all of this, the entire story, out of his ass, stream of conscience, while he's standing in front of the editor. He pulls the warlord straight out of nowhere into being. And the Warlord ends up being like one of the very cooler sort of uh, sort of uh, fantasy comic books uh, of any comic book one. I I never really hit me, but it's still great. Yeah. So Travis Morgan is a, an Air Force pilot flying over the North Pole and gets pulled down into Sicardus, the uh, Hollow Earth, and from there he, uh, as one does, he runs into an alien princess. Uh, or actually, I guess she's not alien. She's just a princess. And uh, ends up living down there and becoming the hero of the folks down there. He looks exactly like Mike Grell's Green Arrow, except instead of blonde hair, he's got white hair. And Stacy, you are – are you going to talk about that? Cause well, I – yeah, I had to step away for a second because you said Warlord, and I was like, I have a Warlord on my shelf over here. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the uh, Remco version of Warlord um, from the early 1980s. Uh, so. Make sure you send a picture so we can put that up on the old Twitter. That's a great-looking Warlord. Uh, yeah, we'll do. Did yeah, that guy great. come with anything besides a sword? Uh, no, I don't. You know, I have to look, but I don't think so. I think it was just the sword and his... Very fabulous animal print cape and his matching <laughs> furry bottoms. Um, but yeah, they, they did. Remco did a whole uh, series of Warlord figures um, in the uh, in the 80s, including one. Um, I want to say it's from the same line. There's a red skeleton uh, called the Jewel Thief, um, which is. Yeah, so some of these, so these are uh, contemporary to Masters of the Universe, um, same body type and everything. But, uh, yeah, from the comics to the toy shelves. And fun Alex fact, the Warlord comic appeared in the movie The Goonies. 
it's seen on one of the racks uh, in uh, one of the stores. So there you go. All right, there's a good cross. Do you know why it was your dad's favorite? So my dad loved. He wasn't a superhero guy. He, for the most part, he he grew up uh, very poor, but taught himself how to read. Uh, through comic books, and by the time he was old enough to, uh, I mean, he was literally around as a child when Superman first came out. But as he got older, he had to wait till he had a job. And by that time, superheroes had gone out of fashion in war comics. Uh, you know, he was very influenced by World War II, obviously, because I was as a child. He liked war comics. He liked westerns and supernatural. This was the only sword and sorcery comic that he ever collected, and I was I was actually kind of surprised by it. But uh, I, he really dug the warlord. He I guess he liked the backstory. Well, maybe because the guy was a a pilot and a military guy, it could be you know maybe a little crossover there made it a little more palatable for him. Yeah. I do remember talking to him about that particular comic book one time. Yeah, he did collect some of the uh, some other comics uh, along the sword and sorcery vein, but the Warlord was basically his jam. Every time he went into Gale's newsstand in Palmer, Massachusetts, he would, if he saw a Warlord comic, he was going to pick that up. <laughs> Josh, uh, you changed over to a stouter ale, something something hearty. What do you got there, buddy? Uh, I have a space and time, a Russian imperial stout from Treehouse. Uh, it's the first time I've had it. Uh, they used crystal malt, which I think was a mistake. Uh, and the, uh, the ABV ran up past the flavor, so you get one of those stouts where, uh, the, uh, the alcohol starts to overpower what you wanted to do with the beer, and it gets a little, starts to feel like oily a little bit. And, uh, so, now, I, I'm gonna say this is, uh, I mean, the closest thing to a fail that Treehouse gets, but... I'll, uh, I'll drink a little bit of it, and then I'll pour it out and try the next one. All right, good. We'll have a, we'll have a, whole, we'll have a whole stout section from you tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want do you want to give us your, your first pick, as long as you're drinking an oily stout? Uh, yeah, I uh, I picked up, um, and I had never read this. I, I read the, the books when I was a kid, but I had never read any of the graphic novels. And this is uh, Elric the Ruby Throne. Hmm. Oh, so, we loved Elric as kids. I loved yeah. Elric. I, I mean, oh. I consumed the hell out of Elric books when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, for those who played D&D back in the early days, the uh, first edition of Deities and Demigods had uh, the Malnubanean section, so they actually had Elric and Ariok and go- uh, gods from the mythos of, uh, of that world. Uh, later they were deprecated out of those books. Um, I, I don't know why. I assume publishing rights or some something like that, but I never really looked into it. But anyway, uh, Michael Moorcock was uh, still one of the editors, and he worked with uh, a person called Julian Blondell. Uh, the art's by Dieter Pauly, Robin Rocked, and uh, colored by John Bet- uh, Bastide. The The look and feel of the comic is is really well done for what I would, I would look for in Elric. There's enough, like, sort of depravity in Melda Benet that you can see sort of how caustic that society is. Um, it's it's definitely an adult feel to that comic where you, it's not you don't want kids to see the I mean there are just you know scenes of depravity and that's what that's what Melvin A. all was was a, a society that was falling into um, hedonism 
And uh, the, but the comic was well done. It, it didn't cover every detail, but it covered what you thought it was, and uh, and it captured sort of what I uh, what I wanted from Elric. Uh, it, was, it was good. Like I, I'm I'm glad we did this segment. I I hadn't read it before, and it was something that just caught my eye, and I went with. So I, I liked it. All right, there's a good plus over from uh, my good friend Josh. Stace, what were your first? Um, so my first one, I, I was all prepared to do something like Amethyst of Gemworld or revisit some of my favorite Red Sonia comics or something like that. And I decided to, to, uh, I decided to read something that I bought in a 50 cent bin probably five years ago and never really, never really read. And it's so rare that you find the entire run of a comic, um, and a 50 cent pin. Um, but I, well, so my, it's also not a good omen. You know, there are some really good things in 50 cent bins. So, sure. um, I'm just gonna a, ignore that you said that. Um, so I read the, uh, one of the epic comic titles, uh, from the 80s called The Sisterhood of Steel. Um, written by Christy Marks and art by Mike Vosberg. Um, it, I was, you know, I was all ready to just be like, this is probably going to be terrible. It's probably just going to be, you know, gratuitous lady, like, boobs and fighting and stuff. And there's a little bit of that in there. And we'll say there's, you know, there's some sex and some stuff. But it's mostly about, uh, it's mostly about a uh, an island of women who are trained to be warriors and, uh you know, just kind of uh, one of them going through the program and uh, learning how to fight and learning uh, learning about kind of the the underlying corruption in the leadership of of uh, their sisterhood and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was really good. I was glad that I picked it up and I was glad that I picked it for for the show. Oh, look at, some of these covers are great. Like, that's that's a great cover with kind of that, a that really reminds me of uh, like a Frazetta style uh, cover there. Yeah, 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 which I fully appreciate. Um, I love Frazetta. Yeah, well, do you know one thing I appreciated about this book uh, was something that you don't get that often, and I feel like books and comics should do this. Uh, in the back of the first issue, there was a glossary that explained some of the terms. There was also a page that was just pronunciations of the characters' names. Yeah. And, okay. and That's nice. not that that matters, but I appreciate the, the attention to detail. And, and I, I also will say, uh, Christy Marks does an amazing job with the letters pages. Um, I, I don't normally read letters pages. I will skim them sometimes just to see... Uh, you know, get a glimpse of what were people talking about in, in uh, comics in 1984. Um, <laughs> but uh, she does a really good job of engaging with the fans that have taken the time to write in, and she talks a lot about the kind of the backstory of um, how she came up with the, the mythos of this world and uh, all kinds of stuff. Like, there's there's a lot of good stuff if you're if you're into. Um, you know what what she's putting in in the books. So yeah, it was I also think it, I think it is actually kind of important for the pronunciation guides. Honestly, I think having a unified world 
for readers is important. Like, yeah. Com- like coming together, like I, even little things like that separate people are is, is it's unnecessary. And I think when people come together and they have this feeling like we're all in the same place and we're all doing the same thing, and this is the language we kind of adopt for this, is a re- it's such a simple thing to do for mm-hmm. books. And I wish more novels would do it. Same thing with like comic books. Like sometimes you're just like, what is that guy's name? I don't know. And then you hear like 27 people pronounce it 19 different ways, and you're like, "What's you, the point?" Oh my God, are you talking about Mixy Pitalix? Pitalix. I always called him Mixoplex. Mixoplex, yeah, Mixoplex. Well, let me just add this one last thing to that. Then uh, it also gets us away from neuronormative pronunciations. You know, we can see all these names uh, from people from Wakanda. You know, uh, written. But if you don't explain it to me or tell me how to pronounce a kopesh, um, I won't know how to or a hungamunga or some of these weapons they're using. You know, my backpack of information doesn't, you know, contain that. So having that explained to me helps me move away from just a euronormative pronunciation of things into the actual pronunciation of things from all over the place. Yeah, it does. And it and it's, uh, you know, going back to what Mike was talking about, um, you know, learning like his dad learning to read with comics. That's how my mom taught me to read, too. Um, or people who are learning English through reading comics or, you know, things like that. And um, it's a way to make comics accessible um, in, in a way that that's something we don't really think about. And as somebody who <laughs> for a living writes style guides and thinks about things like accessibility and making content um, accessible on on multiple levels or on multiple skill levels or, or whatever um, I I appreciate that level of detail <laughs> for sure Me too. and the other thing is if, if it's a language that doesn't exist in the real world allowing you to hear it in the way the author intended it makes a big difference go ahead and say I love you in German and I love you in French and f- feel that out. That gives you an idea what the what the author intended with with the language itself, right? Mm-hmm. How do you say "I love you" in German? I have no idea, but it can't be nice. It's not going to sound nice, Mike. I'm going to tell you, man. That guy. If somebody said "I love you" angry enough in German, you're you're like you're, you're like throwing down in self defense. Where I'm just saying, like, it's a thing, right? My 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 lipstick. I know how to spell it, but I don't. I don't. I don't want to mangle the pronunciation. I think that's my lovely little girl made me home my me home my lips. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You are aiming at different targets there, my friend. But see, that's German, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe that's yeah. it. You don't know. Yeah. I know Anna Makafrau is housemaid. <laughs> I know how to count, the and I know the French. <laughs> And zero people would want to be housemates. Welcome to the German language podcast. Brought to you by the long box, guys. Let me assure you, we have ways of making you laugh. Bienvenue. Everybody sing the opening song from Cabaret. Yeah. Bienvenue. Welcome. That's all I got. Tommy, give me your first, buddy. Uh... All right, so, so there's a comic on Comicsology Unlimited called The Swords of Glass that I really enjoyed by uh, Sylvain Courgette and Laurie, Laura Zucchieri. 
and it was published by Humanoids back in 2015. And this is a great comic where Sor falls out of the sky, lands in a fossilized dragon near this village, and villagers have been uh, hassled by this warlord, and they try to do a little uprising, and one of the villagers goes to grab this sword and is turned to glass. And Warlord sends one of his lackeys to get the sword, and he turns the glass. Nobody can touch the sword, otherwise they turn to glass. And the Warlord takes the chief's wife as a as sort of a, a punishment for them trying to, to uprise against him. And the little girl, who is the, the chieftain's daughter, says, someday I'm going to take that sword and I'm going to kill that guy. <laughs> and that's what she makes in her mission. And it's a story about her trying to do this and also a prophecy about these four swords that fall from the sky um, who are there to open up the world to a different world um, to allow the people from the, the th this world that is dying go to a different world when the, when the world dies. And it's a really well-done story. The world-building is very good. There's tons of different background animals and things in this world that are just amazing. And uh, it's just a really great fantasy story. Uh, that reminds me of the uh, the idiot grenade in Idiocracy. You guys remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Kills a lot of people. <laughs> just a grenade that says, do not touch. If you touch it, you die. <laughs> Like, oh, man, we better get some more guys. I don't know how we're going to take this thing apart. Well, well, she is one of the chosen, and she can pull the sword out of the out of the fossilized dinosaur. But, uh, but yeah. It's I a, like it better my it's way. A, it's a great story. She trains her entire life, turns 18, runs up with the sword, and dies. My book's shorter. <laughs> it's got a punchy ending. <laughs> uh, but that's not the one I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick... Uh, the Savage Avengers. Did you guys read The Savage Avengers? No. Nope. Uh, it's, to, it's one of those that you could have easily missed. It came out right when the plague hit. So it, it came out like last year around this time. And it's Conan's forming an Avengers team. Uh, Conan is uh, hanging out in, Hyber in the Hiberian times. And the hand in modern times is pulling in wizards from the Hyborian period into their reality to trade spells with. Conan follows um, one of those wizards back, starts killing people, realizes he's no longer in Hiberian times, and uh, he teams up with Wolverine, Frank Castle, the Punisher, Elektra, Dr. Voodoo. I didn't know Dr. Voodoo got a doctorate. Good for him. He was brother Voodoo until I read this comic book. Um and uh, a couple of other... we saw him was seven years ago, so he had the time. Yeah, the time. So good on him. Good on you for furthering the education, getting that doctrine. And um, a couple other Savage Avengers uh, come in and out as the comic book progresses. And this is a fun comic because it's Conan leading an Avengers team in the modern world, but they're fighting against mostly ninjas. And they're in the Savage Lands for a long time, so they're still in that Savage kind of world. Uh, Conan versus Wolverine is an epic fight when they first meet. Uh, Conan and Wolverine against Doctor Doom is hilarious because Conan is using Doctor Doom as a trap. <laughs> he's using, he's like, you go first. If the trap hits, we'll save you. And Doom's like, wait, I'm the trap lackey? He goes, you're not really good for anything else. You're the only one in armor. 
<laughs> which I thought was hilarious. And Dooms thought Conan was a joy. Like, I can't believe how you talk to me. This is delightful. This is so refreshing. <laughs> I mean, and all of it was reported out of the Hiberian Times, which is like the Wall Street Journal, but for primordial jungles. Yeah, it's more, Absolutely. more like Reddit. <laughs> uh, no. 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 <laughs> they're, not, they're not crashing the drachma this week. Thank you. That's a very that's a very yeah. smart joke for this time. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite bits also is Conan wanders into a whorehouse, gives himself his belly full of whores, and then one of the girls, hear me out, and then one of the girls says, um, uh, thanks, and she goes for a pay. She goes, pay, what do you mean? He goes, oh, we're, we're prostitutes. That man makes us have sex for uh, money. And Conan's like, you didn't want to have sex with me? They made you? Oh, my God. That's disgusting. And he's so pissed off. He, he starts beating the shit out of everybody in the place. Not the girls. He feels bad. He frees all the, the girls. And he's like, I can't believe <laughs> they didn't want me. And uh, he slaps one guy around. And he even says, you want to know what it's like to be treated like that? I'll show you. Picks him up, slams him down, belly first onto a table. And then they cut away. So there's a good chance that Conan rapes a a, a, a pimp. Is, uh, so uh, is this an Alan Moore book? Yeah, what are we? It might just all be in my head. I had a fever dream. This might all be part of it. Um, also, they're killing warriors to bring back uh, these secret gods. So they're trying to kill all the best warriors. Of course, there's a secret underground warrior tournament. That's what's drawing Wolverine and all these other guys. Which I love. I love the Secret Warrior Tournament. Yes, it's a trope. Fine. You got me. I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah, the first blood sport was amazing when I was a kid. Oh, I love it. It's still amazing. Yeah. It is. Is it? Yeah. yeah. It, it's not yeah. bad. I still it's like seeing all the different styles. And I know. I know they're not right. <laughs> I know. I know none of this is correct now that I'm a grown-ass man. Uh, but uh, well, I still. Still amazing stuff. Bolo, still a fucking fantastic villain. Uh, Bolo Young. Rest yeah. in power, my brother. Yeah. Mikey, let's go next for you. I got everyone once, right? Yeah. Yep. Mikey, you're next. So and when I, I was I, a young... I got mine out of the way because uh, I was worried Tommy was going to steal mine. Because uh, I know my second one, no one's going to get. There's no way. All right, for my number two pick, I have to go back to when I was a young lad playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I picked up a a module uh, set in the city of Lankmar. Oh, and it is and it is Fawford and Gray Mouser. Is did I say Uh, that right? Fawford. Yeah, Fawford. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, No pronunciation guide. So. Uh, that was the problem with it. But, yes, uh, a tale of two swordsmen uh, who go around having adventures. Uh, it was originally a book series, uh, first as short stories, then uh, it expanded by uh, Fritz Lieber. However, so good. In their entry into comics is the weirdest shit. I want to take you back to the 1970s. They depowered Wonder Woman. 
And the first Farford and Grey Mouser story is Wonder Woman and Catwoman for some reason have a fucking adventure with these two guys. It is the weirdest shit. Uh, it's just out of left field. It was written by uh, a guy who had won a bunch of Nebula awards. He was not a normally a comic book writer. He was a sci-fi writer. But they were like, yeah, we don't give a shit about Wonder Woman. Go ahead. Write whatever you want. <laughs> Do whatever you want. They, they were just keeping her alive in D.C. just to keep the copyright. Yes. And so yeah. Yeah. afterwards, they decided, okay, well, we're going to make it an ongoing series called Sword and Sorcery. And it was written by Denny O'Neill with art by Howard Chaikin, Walt Simonson, and Jim Starlin. Three of the greatest artists of the 70s. And Denny O'Neill, one of the best writers of the 70s. Unfortunately, it lasted like five or six issues. And then it was canceled. And they've, of course, appeared uh, several other times, and most notably in the Conan comic book series for Marvel, uh, because Roy Thomas just loved them. But uh, I don't know who owns the rights to them now in comic books. It could be anybody. Yeah, I don't know. I liked the Fawford and Grey Mouser novels when I was a kid. It's another one of those things that you just, you just bounced into, and I enjoyed. And honestly... I think they're like the uh, equivalent of the solo adventures of Conan and Malik, right? Like, it, it, it's super derivative. It's it's not, you know, there's nothing original about it, the ideas, but it's just it's just that, that combo of characters that just go great together. It's, it's just chocolate and peanut butter when you're a kid, and <laughs> they're enjoyable novels. I love reading them. Uh, I, I read everything I get my hands on. I never read the comics, but and, you know, I never read the comics. Either. I didn't even know they were in comics. So thank you for that. Now I got something new to read. Yeah, hey, get... you mean it? Oops, sorry. No, I was going to say if you get the DC Universe app, you should be able to read it. And if you want to pick up the Sword and Sorcery comics, super cheap. They are like yeah. some of the got, other yeah. comics. Like I don't want to name names because I'm afraid Tom might have picked them. But uh, these. Comics are fairly cheap, like Tor and Claw and... Stop right there. (laughs) (laughs) You've gone too far, Michael. (laughs) I did like Claw and Iron Jaw. We'll get back to that. Stace, what do you got number two? All right. My number two, again, is something I discovered in a very cheap bin of comics. Um, this is a British comic. It was published by Harrier Comics, and it is called Red Fox. It's she the big one. Is... Sorry, wrong yeah. Red Fox. Is she not Red yeah. Sonia? Yeah. Is <laughs> that the title? Uh, what? I said it's the title, I'm definitely not Red Sonia. Definitely not Red Sonia. Well, her tagline is, uh, and I'm going to read it because I want to make sure I get it right, Prettier than Conan, funnier than Elric, shorter than Red Sonia, Red Fox, another kind of heroine. So um, she is a barmaid who becomes an adventurer, goes on a dungeon crawl, uh, ends up trying to steal some treasures, runs into a sorcerer who gives her the uh, gives her a ring and she can uh, fabricate 
things like swords. Um, it's it's meant to be funny. Uh, it's kind of dumb, but uh, I don't know. Like it's <laughs> it's a fun read. It's a good it's a good one if you just want uh, want to kind of turn your brain off for a little while and just you know read read something about uh, somebody who's definitely not read Sonia, um, <laughs> <laughs> or you've read all of the Red Sonias. Um, so they did, uh, there's two, two main story arcs, um, one through four and then five through 10 and five through 10. And the author admits this, um, he admits, so the, it's called the demon queen saga. And he admits that he straight up lifted the dark Phoenix saga and <laughs> just put it in the red Fox universe. And, um, <laughs> it's, it's, shameless it is shamelessly copied um but one interesting thing about that is uh one neil gaiman actually wrote uh, a portion of uh issue 10 because uh the woman that was working on it uh, she had a baby <laughs> and so he stepped in to help uh, so he finished up uh, some of issue 10 um but yeah it's you know it's a fun one again it's something you can readily find uh, if you find somebody who has long boxes that have um, more independent kind of stuff, you'll you'll run across an issue here and there. I've I've managed to put together uh, a decent run of them uh, in mostly quarter bins, <laughs> so that <laughs> speaks to uh, either the quality or that somebody didn't know what they had. Um, and I and I'll just say that's a that's a plug for. Whenever we get to start having comic shows again, um, you know, if you're somebody like me who kind of likes to find the weirdest thing they can find at a comic show, uh, don't count out your quarter, 50 cent and dollar bins because you might find something that you know is pretty valuable uh, or valuable from a comic history perspective, maybe not a money perspective, but you might find something that is uh you know, is, is worth more than what, what they're asking for it. It might be somebody who knows more about superhero comics and stuff. I've put together a pretty good run of uh, zines that way. <laughs> People who've just said, this looks like somebody published it themselves. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> they did. Yeah. But yeah, they did. Uh, but still, <laughs> still it's yeah. great. So, um, yeah. So I, I highly recommend uh, stuff like this. And I, I have a lot of really bad um, independent comics about barbarian chicks, <laughs> and and most of them are, are terrible. I'll say Red Fox is, is a bright spot just because it is a little bit funny. All right. Josh, what do you got next? Okay, a couple of things. First of all, I switched my beers. Space to Time is out the door. I couldn't finish it. I swapped over to another beer called Tradition, uh, which is supposed to be uh, chocolate and hazelnut. And this is way over the alcohol content of space and time. I've now upshifted to a 10.8, but they, they crafted this in such a way that it smells like marshmallows and chocolate, and you can't taste the overwhelming alcohol. So this is like this is the dance between uh, alcohol content and flavor. Uh, my other one is I'm just shifting to like a more modern perspective. So Elric is based on content that was written. Uh, Moorcock probably wrote that late 70s, early 80s for the most part, I'm guessing. <laughs> More um, And even though the comics, yeah, even though the comics were published in 2014, uh, the content and sort of the writing and uh, 
his ideas were were sort of uh, decades ago. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna shift into Rat Queens. Oh, Drake! I was hoping you would talk about Rat Queens. <laughs> I thought Stacey was gonna give me Rat Queens first. So, Rat Queens is one of those comics where when you first hit the series, you're like, "This is awesome!" Like they hit all the right notes. The action's good. The writing's good. The art's amazing. And they just start dancing into what is like a really traditional Dungeons and Dragons theme. Like they don't, they do not shy away from tropes. They don't shy away from the the <laughs> setting. They, well, what do you got? Rats in the cellar in a tavern? Yeah, We're on it. yeah. They just march in. Yeah, <laughs> shoulders wide, ideas wide, eyes open. Great art, good writing, and storm in. And and then for some reason. Uh, it starts to come off the rails. Just the whole publishing, all, everyone who wants to publish this comic starts to have second thoughts about it. Uh, it starts with an incident with one of the artists who gets arrested for domestic violence. Uh, and then people start like back IDing, like looking back to see what did his influence do in the comic. And so it, it, it really just gets embroiled in like some in some controversy and it derails it and I'm really sad that this didn't just keep going strong it was a good comic the characters are great the ideas were fantastic I really enjoyed it but uh, I don't even know where it lives at this point does anybody know where Rat Queen stands at the moment is it well I've been reading it on uh, Comixology I was reading it on Comixology I don't know if they took it down or anything but the no, last they haven't taken it down, but I don't yeah. think anything's been published after. I can't remember the last published date. I think 2018 or 19 was the last time they published a comic for it. I think so, too, yeah. Um, well, who has, so you're asking who has the rights? I don't know. I, I just don't know what it's doing. Like, I, I don't it think it's ongoing. And these characters are too good. To, I mean, some of them are so funny. Yeah, I mean, and, like, it was a web and the energy in the group is so much fun. It's it's a great yeah, yeah it's good like it's a good idea it's a good setting like everything about it was like oh yeah I would totally read this and it was also just engaging from a lot of different social angles they they opened it up they were just it was just it's good fantasy yeah and it was it was nice to see. The representation there, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, a woman's comic book group together um, that was pretty uncompromising. I mean, they, they mostly oh. just dealt with their stuff. You know, it yeah. wasn't always about anything outside of the group. So you yeah, know, they they dance with ideas like magic javelins, like juggling magic javelins, right? They had an atheist cleric, they had a transgendered orc, right? They they uh, could they have tackled anything else? I don't even know. Like, yeah. what else could they have got on, right? So and they were, none of it was ham-handed. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was yeah. well interplayed, and they did a very good job with it. And it's it's sad that that it sort of sort of just uh, went the way of the uh, of the lost encounter, the dinosaur. And I don't really yeah. know what happened, honestly. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the writing of uh, uh, Questionable Content, which is a terrific online comic. Where yeah, there are transgendered characters. Yeah, there are characters who uh, uh, are, are disabled, or, or um, you know, of, of all all kinds of characters, and that doesn't have to be the main storyline of their lives. 
And that kind of reminds me of the Rat Queens. You know, that that's part of our story, but that's not our story. And I love that about Rat Queens. Plus, it was dirty and filthy and funny. I think funny is the thing yeah. that I remember most. Yeah, they did a great job of, like, like injecting actual humor. Yeah, it was... For me, it's really, pretty rare writing at this point. Yeah, it was... The, the writing was really punchy. All right, so apparently, yeah, February 12th, 2020 was the last time they published something. Well, that was only a, a, a year, year ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah, well, not that bad. <laughs> anyway, it's a play, Josh. <laughs> Tommy, give me one more, buddy. Uh, I'm going to go with ElfQuest, which uh, wow. came out in 1979. Uh, you, know yeah. you, stepped on, you know you stepped on stage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry, did I step all over you, Stacy? No, you didn't. I just love that comic. <laughs> well, I noticed that some of your stack because you were shuffling around. We're like, man, we can see what's in your hand, man. It, it was it was actually it was on the ads in her stack. It was on the ad, yeah. It was created by Wendy and Richard Peeney in 1978. It was a fantasy story involving a group of elves and their adventures. Uh Originally, they were trying to find other groups of elves. They were kicked out of their woods by humans, and they came across a group of elves that had lived on the other side of a desert that had never seen humans. And then they decided to search the world looking for other groups of elves to try to unite them. Uh, it was just a really good comic that involved you know, swords and sorcery. It was just a group of adventurous wolf rider elves. I did like the wolves. That was cool. This one never hit me right. It's another one. I mean, I didn't dislike it. It just didn't really draw me in. The hook never sat in my cheek. I didn't have a chance to collect it. Like yeah. that, that, that was the, the the days where you're like you you caught it or you didn't. Yeah, and I think that, that might have been my problem too, Josh. It was well, so. I don't think a lot of people were trying to carry it, and like you found one issue, and then you're like, oh. I guess I'll read this again in four months. I don't know. Well, it, you can you can read it on Comixology, um, Unlimited. It's out there, published by Dark Horse. So, if you want to go back to it, you can. All right, coming to my number two. I love Stalker. <laughs> it was a bad comic. And, uh, I mean, I really love this comic. I, I talked about the Avengers just to get my Conan fix out of the way because everyone knows I love Conan. Uh, Stalker is someone, my wife, I explained this to my wife because I knew she would hate this character, and she does. She hates Stalker because Stalker's an asshole. Stalker's, uh, uh, he starts off as an indigent. Oh, did Mike, you have something out there? No. Oh, because you just agree with my wife. Uh, I'm, I'm, look, don't drag me into this marital dispute. <laughs> I'm just uh, over here trying to drink my Diet Dr. Pepper and listen yeah. to you talk about your marital problems. Just go with The thing is, I can't disagree with my wife after, you know, uh, have you guys, you guys have seen the play Rent, right? Yes. I've right. seen the movie. Fine. You've seen the Rent, you've seen the movie, you've seen the play. My wife is like, why the fuck don't these people fucking pay their rent? <laughs> and she's not wrong. And that's the problem with Stalker. Stalker is a uh, an orphan child living in the streets. He has nothing. He prays to Durgerth, the god of warriors. He's like, Durgerth, if you grant me the power to be the greatest warrior of all time, 
I will give you anything. Durgerth appears and goes, anything? And he goes, yes, I swear, anything. And he goes, great, I'm going to take your soul. He takes Darker's soul, makes him the greatest warrior ever, and Stalker goes, I want my soul back. Because I can't feel anything, and every victory is hollow now. And Durga's like, you didn't say anything but your soul, motherfucker. You said anything. There's, there's no there's no take-backs. I didn't cheat you. I didn't, like, put something in the contract. There was no obfuscation whatsoever. You said anything, I'll said, I'll take your soul. You said okay. End of story. <laughs> but Stalker goes on this epic quest to get his soul back, and the entire time, Durgerth is like, hey, you can't have your soul back. I gave you everything you asked for. Um, and when my wife, you know, I explained this to my wife, my wife was like, the fuck is Stalker's problem? He's got everything he wants. Now, granted, my wife feels exactly as many as emotions as her programming allows, which isn't a lot. It's very few emotions. She has a little bit of love, a lot of hate. <laughs> She's a wonderful, nice person, but, you know, still. Uh, but, like, hearing my wife say, like, Stalker's the bad guy in this whole comic book. And I read the comic book again this week, and I'm like, God damn it, my wife's right. <laughs> This guy's the bad guy in his own comic book because he's trying to get back his soul. He wants everything, and he should get nothing. But I still love the comic book. Okay. Uh, and uh, you can now watch if uh, if you guys notice that DC Unlimited uh, has um, kind of changed their format a little bit because they sold all their content to um, HBO Max. Thank you, yeah. HBO Max. Uh, so now it's mostly comic books, but they really expanded their comic books. So when Stalker popped up, I was insane. I'm like, fuck yeah. I mean, they would have to because all of their video content is available somewhere else for less. Yeah. So. So the comic book really did get upped a lot. So, uh, I was really, really happy to see Stalker pop up and I still like it. The artwork's good. The writing's not bad. I like Stalker. One of my favorites of all time. Revisited it, doesn't hold up as well, especially now with my wife explaining to me that I'm an idiot. Sounds like Stalker's idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey, give me number, give me your next. Uh, num- num- number three for me is going to be a little comic called Bone. Bone! Oh! Uh, uh, whenever we. Yeah. Whenever we do a panel, we are constantly asked for age-appropriate stories, and I love Bone. And I've given the comic series to a number of children, which brings me uh, – if you haven't read it, it is an epic tale of three Bone brothers or cousins, I should say. Phone Bone, Phony Bone, and Smiley Bone. And it, it it's just them being hunted by stupid, stupid Bolshevik rat creatures who want nothing more than to throw them into a quiche. It's got dragons. It's got princesses. It's got swords. It's got cow races. It's got everything you would want in an epic adventure. And that's exactly what it is, an epic adventure. It is one of the ten most challenged to be banned books in comicdom uh, because people 
the like smiley or smiley bone smokes a cigar and likes to have a, a drink. So they think, oh, well, this is promoting that. Or, oh, it's teaching kids how to make book because Phony Bone is, <laughs> is doing bookmaking for the cow races. And it does. And that's an important skill that children should learn. Uh, it, all, it was also challenged because it has the barter system. And they said it was anti-capitalistic. It's just crazy shit that they have uh, – said uh, it, it's not a good series for kids, and I, I argue constantly that it is a great series for kids. And 2019, uh, Jeff Smith announced that Netflix had optioned the right to Bone, and they were going to be making a cartoon uh, series, and I can't wait for that to eventually come out. I'm sure they're working on it right now because cartoons take a long time to make. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I mean, you guys have all read Bone, right? Oh, yeah. 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 And, and the spinoff, uh, or one of the spinoffs, Rose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Kind of forget about that one. Yeah. Sage, what do you get as your number three, buddy? Um. So, <laughs> I'm trying to think which one I want to pick for my number three. Uh, I'm, well, I'm just going to go with my favorite, and that is uh, Tom Scholey's American Barbarian. Um, are you guys familiar with Tom Scholey at all? So, he just released, late last year, he just released a biocomic about Jack Kirby. Uh, Jack Kirby is his favorite artist Everything he does looks like uh, Jack Kirby Reborn, um, but he puts his own spin on it. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting him through my friend Brandon. Uh, Tom is a huge fan of things like Thundar, <laughs> and uh, American Barbarian really shows it. So American Barbarian is just what it sounds like. It's uh, the story of Merrick, who is uh, one of many brothers. Uh, they are performing a ritual called the Tangle of Swords where they pull out a sword. Uh, Merrick happens to win and goes on an adventure against the evil foe to Tank Omen. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's one of those comics that the art is so beautiful and weird but, and the story is so creative, a little bit silly, but it's it's sword and sorcery as only Tom could do it. Um, and I highly, highly recommend it uh, because it is such, such fun. But, yeah, he's, he's done uh, – Tom's done some other stuff uh, for – he's done a lot of self-published stuff. Um, my favorite of his is one called Final Frontier, which is his take on the Fantastic Four, or like his version of the Fantastic Four. Um, but he has since done things like Transformers versus G.I. Joe for Image Comics. He did um, GoBots, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then I believe he did a Fantastic Four comic for Marvel. So, um, yeah, so American Barbarian. I love it. Yeah, Fantastic Four Grand Design. Yeah, that's it. I will definitely check that out. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Just give us your number three, buddy. And are you on a third beer yet? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, um, third one, 
What did I do? You oh, so what, what? The other one. Uh, so this is kind of in the way back machine, um, and it didn't last very long. It became a video game that didn't do very well. <laughs> like it just, it just dragged on. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to read Battle Chasers, like it was such a. Uh, I, I thought for sure you were doing Tor, uh, Son of Stone. No. Torak. <laughs> Like, like Battle Chasers, it, it was a little, it was a it was little weird. off, but it was totally sword and sorcery. It was, it was dramatic, you know, four color fun, and actually, it turned into a video game I actually liked a lot. Um, it reminded, it was, they basically ported it to a Final Fantasy sort of um, um, setting, uh, game mechanic wise, and. It was just a fun comic. I I really liked it. Battle Chasers. If you haven't had a chance to go check it out, it was uh, it's it good fun. Well, I like fun. Yeah, it's a totally <laughs> fun comic. It did not stand the test. Uh, people just let it go, and it just it just didn't make it. But um, I really enjoyed it. All right, Tommy, sweet sweet Tommy, give me number three. Uh, okay, my next one is Spider King by Joss Van, Simone Diarini, Adrian Block, and Nick Shaw. It came out in uh, July of 2018 by IDW, uh, and it is takes place in Europe in 956 AD. It's about a group of Vikings that are warring against each other, and uh, when they're, they're warring, a couple spaceships that are battling above them crash land on Earth, and suddenly they get some uh, upgrades to their weapons, and uh, a spider alien tries to take over the world through one of the uh, one of the Viking warlords, and uh, and it, it hilarity ensues. It's, oh, a, it's a really good. It's a good book. It's a good fantasy book. Well, good science fiction fantasy book. Hmm. All right, I like that. And, uh, you know, it's one of those self-contained stories about 150 pages long. So it's one of those things you can read in one sitting and have a complete story. I do like that. All right, Mikey, uh, what, what do we think here? Should we just do, like, two or three honorable mentions? Sure. Or, uh, yeah, two, give me two or three honorable mentions here, Mikey. Uh, Camelot 3000. Terrific. Oh, that's a fantastic one. Great. I should, yeah, I, 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 I'm drinking because I should have picked that one. Uh, that's uh, part of the UK series, right? Uh, no, it was uh, Michael uh, Barr uh, did it, I think. Yeah, but that was published in the same house that did... Um, it was a DC comic. It's a DC book. Yeah. You know, I thought, I'm, I'm, forgive me, I really thought that started as a uh, part of the uh, uh, Judge Dredd series. That wasn't part of... No, it certainly was, wasn't it? Nope. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to do the Camelot 3000 podcast later on. And then my uh, my other honorable mention is not a comic book, but it is so fucking good that I'm going to recommend it to everyone. It would have made my list if we were doing comic web series, and that is Order of the Stick. Oh, I love Order of the Stick. That's terrific. And you know what? I mean, they've made millions of them. Sorry, they made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comics, you know, especially in graphic novels. Or the stick's totally 
totally is in there. Uh, that was a terrific one. And I tell you, when it, it, you talk about following the Dungeons and Dragons trope or the stick, right up there. Yeah, I mean, I cannot. Uh, I, every time uh, Paladin uses his detect evil, I constantly am like, I'm going to sue you for the cancer in the radiation that you are giving me just because of that series. <laughs> nice. Uh, any other uh, honorable mentions, Mikey? Uh, yeah. Yeah, move on. Stay, just give me a couple honorable mentions. We'll drink to whatever Mike forgot. Okay. <laughs> um, so my first honorable mention is uh, Mike Norton's Battle Pug. It started out as a webcomic and then uh, got published, uh, collected by Image, and then actually became a book. Uh, Mike's actually a friend of mine, um, super nice guy. <laughs> but uh, another another Tennessean uh, transplanted to the Midwest. Um, but, yeah, uh, I love Battle Pug. It's a lot of fun. If you like Conan um, but wish that he had a dog, then Battle Pug is for you. <laughs> Um, my other one is uh, another Chicago artist, um, a guy I really like named Ryan Brown. Um, his Curse Words, uh, it's his and Charles Soule's book about a wizard named Wizard who is uh, living in New York City and you find out what happens when a modern day wizard lives in New York city. Um, the best part of the comic other than just Ryan Brown craziness. Um, if you're familiar with Ryan Brown at all, God hates astronauts um, is also fantastic. But my favorite part of uh, curse words is that uh, wizards. I don't know if she would call her him, call her his familiar or his best friend. It's a koala named Margaret and <laughs> Margaret is a lot of fun too. So yeah, curse words. All right, and there's Justin. a lot of there's a lot of actual curse words in it too. So you know, <laughs> you like swearing and uh, and wizards. <laughs> Who doesn't like swearing and wizards? Yeah, I don't know. Josh, what do you got? Lake of Fire, uh, by Nathan Fairbain and Matt Smith. Matt Smith is a Massachusetts local. Uh, Nathan Fairbain uh, is a fantastic author. He's worked on a lot of. Um, I'm trying to. What's the big book he worked on? Where is it? Where are you, Nathan? Uh, he worked on blah blah. To see Jimmy Olsen, Scott Program, Wonder Woman, uh, Batman. He was a, a very off writer on Invincible. Um, great guy, great comic. So if you like the idea that Vikings meet a race of aliens similar to the movie alien this is your book um, i've been looking for that exact book it yeah. is it's well written the art is fantastic it's a very short run it's 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 simply just the congruence of two things i adore just like viking axis and aliens let's just get it on and uh mm -hmm. so go go read lake of fire uh they're local folks yeah, it's a it's a pretty small publishing run. It's extraordinarily well done. It should be it should be read. It's one of the things you look at. Like I just wish people read this more. All right, Tommy. Uh, okay, so one of my honorable mentions is Marie of Dragons. 
by Ange Studio Charon, Thierry Demarez, and Nicolas Bastide, uh, published by Soleil in English, Delcourt. Um, this is a fantastic book about a, a girl who is sent off in the woods to basically to do a, one of those sort of coming-of-age type things. She's supposed to spend like a weekend in the woods by herself. When she goes off into the woods, her entire village is destroyed, and uh, everyone is killed except for her brother and her sister are taken as hostages, and she spends her entire life trying to find her brother and sister, and she teams up with another guy, and they just are mercenaries, and she's always trying to get back to her brother and sister, and she finds her sister, and it, it, she finds out that she has been manipulated into uh, finding her brother and sister because she is like a portal into a demon world, and she's being sort of sought after to open that portal. And it's just a really good story. And I think people would like it. And then also um, Red Sonia, we haven't really talked about. And uh, there was a very good one uh, done by Gail Simone. What's this? She is the biggest fucking nerd trap on Twitter. And her shit is god damn hilarious. And I love the fact that she said that she likes Stiltman better than Dr. Doom. Fucking A. Yeah. Wait, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Simone is the nerd trap? Oh my god. She yeah. she is she just cooks up these ridiculous absolutely nonsensical fucking tweets that just lure in the fucking trolls like she is just honey to idiocy. And it's mm-hmm. fucking hilarious. You just understand that everything she says is to make other people feel like assholes and to, like, pipe up. You don't even know. Like, I don't even understand how people still fall for this. She fucking talks about fucking uh, Cyclops' fucking beams as heat lasers instead of kinetic blasts. And the Internet goes fucking berserk every time. I'm like, don't you get she's fucking with you. She's been fucking with you for like five years. How, how do you not realize this? Wait, cry. are you telling me she doesn't like Stiltman more than Doctor Doom? Because I will fucking fight you right now, Opper. I'm not saying that, Mike. Fight to the death. Pit fight. Not. Go. Mortal Kombat. Go. Sometimes she's completely sincere, and other times she other just times she's learned people's psyches on the internet. And it's awesome. And LT, yeah. if you like yeah. Red Sonia by Gail Simone, you will also like Red Sonia by friend of the okay. podcast, podcast, Mark Russell. Mark Russell. right. Let me just say for my uh, my uh, honorable mentions, Iron Jaw. Iron Jaw by Alice Comics. Conan, except the guy has an iron jaw. <laughs> it's really it. Uh, and also to get back to um, Camelot 3000, uh, the main artist there is Brian Bollard, who was the artist for, uh, of course, Judge Dredd early in his career. And that's why I uh, I always have those two mixed up in my head. Whenever I see Camelot 3000, all I can see is Judge Dredd because of Mike Bollard. 
he brought all that art with him. Uh, so I was wrong, but like Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved Iron Iron Jaw was so stupid. And like, like, just like Conan, every single issue of Conan, I think the thing I liked about Conan the most as a kid is like, I didn't have a lot of um, regularity when it came to buying power. Like, I wasn't always going to be able to buy the next issue of anything. Like, I never was sure that I was going to have a buck seventy-five come Monday. But I could always buy a Conan comic, and the story started at the front page and ended at the back page, and I was okay. And that's one of the reasons I really like my Conan comics, because uh, I didn't have to worry about following along with the saga of why the Green Goblin hated Peter Parker so goddamn much. Never got into that because I could never fucking follow it. Because I never had a buck seventy-five every goddamn Monday. <laughs> Sorry, is that too much? That too tangent much was like, brought to you by Tom Strange. <laughs> oh, that's true. Hey man, this is Kevin Smith, uh, Silent Bob from all those terrible Jay and Silent Bob type pictures, and you are listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box, Comics Talk for Comics Fans. Mike, what do you got at the front of the long box? After the front of the long box, I have Superman vs. Imperious Rex, part of DC's Future State, written by friend of the podcast, Mark Russell. If you have not read this yet, what the hell is wrong with you? It is, like all Mark Russell comics, a delight to read and makes you think about just things you don't want to think about. In this comic, Lex is on Lexor, and without giving too much away, the people of Lexor love Lex Luthor. And he, he has convinced them that everything he's doing is for their good. And it is. He is truly being altruistic to them. He is fucking over a lot of other people <laughs> to make sure that Lexor, Lexor first, if you will. <laughs> um, and when Superman comes to be like, hey, you guys are stealing resources from all these other planets and it's really bad. The people of Luxor are like, fuck you, Superman. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're doing great. Yeah, so uh, again, uh, just like everything Mark Russell does, I'm going to recommend Superman versus Imperious Lex. All right. Tommy, where are you at the back of the long box, buddy? I have Sword Daughter by Brian Wood, Lauren Aff, and Mark Chater. Uh, it is a story of this uh, little girl who lived in Viking times. Uh, her village is destroyed. The only things that are left are her and her dad. Her dad is a shattered man. And the only thing that can sort of reconnect them is their desire for vengeance. And so she takes up the sword and tries to heft it, even though she's a little girl. And it's a story of her trying to get revenge on this group known as the 40 Swords that has burned her village and destroyed her village. Um, and it's just this kind of story of vengeance 
and healing at the same time. Well, everyone likes vengeance and healing. That's terrific. Zay, so you got a toy for us today? Yes, in addition to Warlord, uh, and, and in sort of keeping with the theme, but also keeping with my theme of, like, sword and sorcery and silly stuff, uh, I have Son of the figure from Son of Zorn, but it's the ah. Office version. So this is Office Zorn. Uh, he, I gave him the donut from my stash of uh, miniature toy accessories, but he came with his goblet and his sword. Uh, he also has a bald spot, which never ceases to amuse me. Um, he is Probably the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, so he was Can made by Funko... Um, whenever Son of Zorn was out, so like three or four years ago. Um, I really loved the series. I realized it was too weird for normal people to like, um, and I'm very, but I'm sad that it's gone. I feel like it had it, had it been made, um, during the heyday of Adult Swim, I feel like it's a thing that probably would have, uh, thrived. On so for those of us who didn't watch, uh, uh, Son of Zorn, and by the way, I've watched every episode of Son of Zorn. <laughs> Uh, but those didn't watch Son of Zorn, can you recap it for us real quick? Sure. So it is uh, basically if He-Man uh, had a kid and left Eternia and moved to Earth and was a divorced dad trying to balance his new life on Earth and try to uh, be in his son's life. <laughs> yeah, that's about it, really. Yeah. And also the son of Zorn, uh, Zorn Jr., um, kind of has half his powers. <laughs> he does, yeah. 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 Which is pretty funny <laughs> in yeah. a bunch of different situations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, and it's a fun mix of, you know, half the episode would be something that you might see on, like, a Thundar or Masters of the Universe. And then the rest of it would just be Zorn trying to navigate uh, working in an office. Yeah. <laughs> so, <It could> be, <laughs> you know. Katie, I told you I'd have those things to you soon. Don't make me smite you. <laughs> Zorn, we've talked about using a sword in workplace areas. Yeah. Yeah. And also the acceptance of uh, the comic book universe encroaching on the regular universe is pretty funny. Because sometimes there would be a flying griffin in the driveway and people wouldn't really notice. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's pretty funny to me. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like King of the Hill and Master of the Universe is met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really the, the show in a nutshell, I think. Well, that's a little tangential, but tangents are Josh's purview. Josh, you got a tangent for us? Yeah, so clutching onto our theme of the day, swords and sorcery, mostly swords for me. Um, I think of how when we... F- See things in movies, films, comics, where we feel like, or we actually are, way more familiar with that than the author or writer. How do we feel about those things? (laughs) I very often look at sword fights on television and movies, and I think to myself, dear God, why haven't I killed you yet? And... I would murder you so quick, I would take a nap after this combat. I got to interject real quick. For those of you who don't know, Josh teaches German longsword to people, 
LT, who I often shit on, is a very skilled swordsman uh, in his own right uh, in the SCA. I was a uh, uh, I've won a few tournaments myself way back in the days of swordsman. So we've, we've all studied the sword, uh, us three. So we have a lot more to bring forward. I remember we were at a Pentagon tournament, uh, a Pentagon convention, and there was a sword master in a parking lot that you disseminated. I even no was so drunk reason. I fell on my face and still killed that dude. <laughs> there was a guy teaching sword in the parking lot. Josh goes, I know a little bit about sword. Can I play with you? I was Pick hammered. Sword, half drunk. <laughs> so and, and not half drunk. I was. The guy that really fell down. The guy that that sword master was beating up was so fucking happy because he was like, "This guy has just been kicking my ass constantly, berating me. I'm so happy that he's getting his ass kicked now." Josh kicked his ass up and down and was apologetic. I'm sorry. That was me using a technique that maybe you're not familiar with. Let me try to dumb it down. It's called drunkenness. Yeah. Uh, the best part was when Josh said, uh, I am not left-handed. <laughs> also true. Also, also true. That was, and by the way, that was the guy that was uh, following around, uh, the guy who wrote the Dresden Files. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, who is a really nice guy, Jim and Butcher. honestly, he came across as a complete asshole to yeah. a lot of people. And I was like, oh, shit, this guy is really just socially averse yeah he's not he really isn't i a lot of people uh, a nice about a, a lot of people talked to me about him and his attitude and i had heard bad things about him and then when i met him i was like oh you guys yeah, he's just just awkward. no no he's not awkward he has this he's on the spectrum he's clearly he, he has a very difficult it. time engaging people. He could—he literally could not make eye contact. I, and I just found out recently that somebody yeah. recorded my session with him at Pensacon. Oh, my, my, that panel, oh, Mike, you panel, were there. Yeah. You, you took that picture. Yeah. yeah. Somebody recorded that entire panel. Oh. Put it on YouTube. Wow. Good. That's a good yeah. panel. And he's awkward. Like it's yeah. not it's not it's not just me. It wasn't just my perception at the time. He's a very nice guy. I I hold no grudges. I mean, when I first met him, I was like, wow, this guy's kind of a dick. And then, oh, you mean wait, are you talking about the author Stephen Butler or the guy that was his handler? Yeah. Stephen Butler's an artist. Yeah, he's not. He's Butler. a very nice guy. Jim Butcher. Yeah, Butler, Jim Butcher. Oh, Jim Butcher. Sorry. Butcher and, and Butcher seemed like a dick, and you just then you just realize he's not. He's just. Mm -hmm. He's like every other person I've ever dealt with in a LARP who doesn't know how to gauge with engage with like regular people. Like he just yeah. doesn't know. He's a good person. He's much better in his own world. He is, and and he's it's probably the best so, guy ever in his own world. So anyway, I I have that. I get that sense from a lot of people. I get that sense from swords. I get that sense from a lot of that stuff in film. So what? Besides those things that we've talked about, also, and I'll give you one of my other super pet peeves in movies, which is the weight of gold in movies. Insane. Really quick, my hand is over. 
you see people just picking up bars of gold, huge chunks of gold, throwing them wherever in movies. And I'll tell you right now, a piece of gold that is 24 inches by 12 inches by 8 inches, about the size of of a but a 1980s briefcase. A lot of people I ask, oh, how much do you think that is? And people are like, I don't know, 300 pounds? And I'm like, no, it's a ton. It's 2,000 pounds. A piece of gold (laughs) that is two feet long by one feet long by inches thick weighs 2,000 pounds, one ton. So two briefcases is about the size of your modern compact car. Three is the size of your modern SUV. That's right. Like this tiny little brick sitting in your driveway weighs more than everything. So those two things drive me insane. So what else, guys, that you have a lot of inherent knowledge of that you stumble into all the time in film or literature drives you insane? Oh, Mike, you must have a bunch of these for procedural. Oh, I can't even imagine, Mike, for you. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I can think of twenty for you, and I don't even have your job. Yeah. Right. But that's it. Uh, the worst one is the cops who, as they're getting out of their car, decide to charge their weapon. Like, you've been walking around with a gun that you can't just shoot. Unloaded? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, you have an unloaded gun? Why? 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 Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah, just the, the whole shock. Yeah. Everyone loads a shotgun at the moment, and you're like, why are you ejecting a perfectly good shell? Yeah. Yes, yes. Huh? <laughs> Yeah, you're like, what are you doing? You were carrying that whole time, and you decided, nah, it's probably not worth my time to be ready to use it. I don't need that shell. I'll use the next I shell. The next one. The freshest one. The, the first cool one's thing. expired. Yeah. The next one's safety right. sealed. It's yeah, that, that first one's been sitting in your fridge for two weeks. You don't want to eat that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> You know what? I would have to, as a combat medic, here's a dumb one for me that happened with me and you, Josh. Are you ready? Okay. You're laying on the floor. I'm trying to keep you calm. And I say, don't worry, Josh. It's probably just a sprain, which is exactly what I'm supposed to say. Now, I know both of your arms are broken. (laughs) I knew it too. And you know it too. But you had to point it the fuck out to me, you ask. Yeah, my problem is I am calm in the face of severe injury. And I'm like, really? This yeah. is this is in Brooke? So as a combat medic, Josh, I was we were at a wrestling show and Josh had taken a really bad fall and I instantly knew that both his arms were broken. And I'm like, Don't worry, we're gonna get to the hospital. It's probably just a really bad sprain, but we're gonna get you fixed up. And Josh lifts up his hands, which are pointing in the wrong directions, and goes, really, asshole? These things? These are broken? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. all right, fine. They're probably broken. But stay calm. And he was insanely calm, which kind of unnerved me. <laughs> He's like, I'm calm. Just don't lie to me. <laughs> I'm like, fine. We're going to get a, a cab, and we did, because we didn't want to spend money on an ambulance. Which was ridiculous. Yeah, you pulled me on the ring and pinned me first. Yeah, I pinned you because I was wrestling, and motherfucker, I got my W. Yeah. And then, yeah, <laughs> off to the hospital. So as a, a combat medic, sometimes we're supposed to calm people down, no matter what's going on, and uh, that doesn't always work. So that drives me crazy. <laughs> Anybody else? Mike, you had a good one. 
Josh, you must see some things in the uh, in the stock market that just make you fucking mental. I have a distinct understanding of the machinations of the past few weeks, as it directly intersects with the job I had when I lived in San Francisco and, and worked at the exchange for two years. And a lot of the people who I still keep in touch with out there also have that distinct remembrance. So um, it's uh, surprising it's lasted this long, but neither here nor there. All right. <laughs> so I, I have a couple. Um, one is how when they make movies about the 80s or set in the 80s, how they, and, I, and I'm not even going to mention the Goldbergs, which apparently exists in a, a time vortex where 1988 and 1981 are existing at the same time. I'm talking a movie um, that's set in 1984, and there's clearly things that happened after that year or songs, you know, or movies or something um, when they reference pop culture and they just completely get it wrong. And it's clearly somebody who was didn't grow up in the 80s that made this what, movie. What are we talking here? Um, so we watched the movie Valley Girl over the weekend. <laughs> um, and other than the fact that Logan Paul was in it, and I didn't realize that till about halfway through uh, Really? Um, <laughs> I, I, How old was Logan Paul in that? Um, he's playing a high school kid. You little prick. I don't like that guy. I don't either. And I was like, who is that guy? I couldn't, anyway. Um, but there were a couple of things in the movie that were just like, that's not. Like, a couple of details here and there that I just was like, no, these people are clearly younger than. <laughs> they didn't grow up in the 80s. Um, uh, and, and I have the same problem with Star Wars. When people talk about Star Wars and other movies or TV shows, they almost inevitably get something wrong. And I don't understand how that happens. Um, my other one is, um, so I have a linguistics degree, and I get really irritated when they, in movies, they try to portray somebody learning to talk, learning to speak English, or learning to read, and they just completely fuck it up like they don't get to the they don't lay the foundation the way they're supposed to um and i know that's one of those things that most people wouldn't notice but it, it really does bother me i actually kind of like the way they did it and this is not and i'm not defending this movie especially from a point of view wherein it is historically accurate especially even in its own context context but i will say I liked how they did it in the 13th Warrior. I like that, too. Yeah. Where yeah. they just showed him over time, listening at a fireside, sort of discerning the words he knew from what he didn't, and then slowly getting it until somebody realized, I need to teach this person. And so he got words just from context over time. And they showed yeah. it because it's like... They don't, they don't so over, yeah. but it's like a six-month journey, right, from where he was to where they were going. And they right. sort of, like, hitched it along. And honestly, I liked it. Yeah, like, he's sitting around a campfire, and he'd pick up a horse. And then right. he'd pick up, you know, food, and your horse is yeah. weak. Blah, 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 blah. Shift away at it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems realistic to me. Right, because someone, yeah, someone's intelligent and... And, and has that proclivity 
I can see that actually happening. Well, Stacey, let me ask you this. Did you like Nell? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why not? I I don't know. Let me just say this. Chicka, chicka, hey? I mean, I I am not saying that, that I don't believe the concept of a woman who grew up by herself would have her own language, blah, 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 all that. I just found a lot of it condescending. (laughs) Yeah, it was, you know, it was like, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's kind of one of the the more recent things I was thinking about was um, the boys and how Frenchie was trying to communicate um, with, oh, gosh, I've completely forgotten her name. But, yeah, and, and trying to... You know, she had her own sign language, and it wasn't ASL, and trying to learn that. But then there was just that, like, I felt like he did a good job of trying to teach her written language. Um, You know, I don't know. But the speaking part, I don't know that I believed as much, but uh, I'd have to go back and watch it again. Um, I I thought they got a lot of it right. Speaking of sign language... The horrible, horrible TV show, The Inhumans. Black uh. Bolt just fucking makes up his own sign language. They yeah. didn't have to make up their own fucking language. They just had to teach him how to sign. Why would you take a guy who, I mean, oh, it was so bad on so many levels. Uh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, if you watch The Inhumans, you will see... That the bad guy of the Inhumans is really the fucking good guy. You mean the writers? No, like uh, I know it's a horrible series, but the 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 Royals are supposed to be the good guys, but they're not. (laughs) The bad guy is literally the good guy of the story, and the Royals are all assholes except for Lockjaw. Right. Right. Uh, I have, uh, uh, I, I'm privileged enough to have two years of sign language. My sign language uh, teacher was amazing. She uh, was deaf. She spoke no. She spoke nothing. So the first day of class, she's like, "Hi, my name is," and she did it all in sign. Like, I can't speak, so this is going to be rough for some of you. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh <laughs> Jesus!" And she was such an amazing teacher that she never, you know. She uh, she she wrote on the board and she she mimed a few words. She could speak a little bit, uh, but uh, she was the one of the best professors I ever had. Uh, and sign language is uh, difficult, but not impossible. And they really should have just used it in uh, uh, that. I yeah. think. Yeah. I need to pick it back up. I, I learned quite a bit when I was a kid. And then um, when I was in show choir in high school, we would have at least one song where we would do sign language. So I remember some of that. But uh, yeah, oh, I know when, birthday. <laughs> yeah, I, I know enough to uh, I was at a I was at Target a few years ago and they had a um, a guy who used sign language and he used sign language and he used his phone like he would type things out on yes. his phone or he would hand you his phone and you could t- and um, I was able to sign with him, and, it, you know, like, that was – it made me feel good. I mean, I had to spell a lot of things because I didn't know the words for them, you know, like the signs for them. But, uh, you know, I did – like, I was able to say thank you and, like, stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a thing that I, I 
would love to be uh, proficient in for sure. It's fun we'll to- take some online courses together. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube. Right. Me and you, Stace. I really got. I really got to up my game back up. I have one person who comes to the um, my food. I, I run a food bank, and a good time to mention. Hey, everybody! If you're a Patreon member, uh, you support our food bank. And at that food bank, uh, every month, a young lady comes in who uh, is deaf, and she's so happy that I speak a little bit of sign language, very slowly, very slowly. But at least I can speak sign language. And, uh, you know, I can tell her we got chicken today, we got eggs, what does she want to eat? You know, we got stuff here for her. Um, and um, so if you're a Patreon patron for only $1 a month, nobody's going to say something about a cup of coffee. Are you yet. fucking kidding me? Just a dollar a month? Yeah, for just a dollar was- a month. You know, it didn't work very well because you're supposed to explain what they get for a dollar. Then we can react we're surprised. For a dollar, yeah. what's good? An extra podcast every single week. Most what? Wait, what? Most that is crazy that is for just a dollar? Park and every single one of those dollars goes straight to our, our food bank. And uh, that food bank, I got to tell you, is feeding a lot of families right now. How many? Uh, at, the beginning, at the beginning of the, uh, the pandemic, I was feeding about 60 a week. Worked about a hundred, hundred and ten a week, uh, depending on the week. So uh, we've been going up quite a lot. So uh, thank you very much to everybody. Thank you to my fellow Longbox guys who also have uh, pledged all that money to go to this food bank. You guys rule. And every time we pledge money there, I have been pledging the same amount. Really, you rule, dude. So if I, yeah. whenever Josh sends out the little thing he, yeah. that he dropped, like last one was like three hundred bucks. That we yeah. dropped in. Did it? Yeah, I matched it. We matched. God damn it, Mike. We're doing it. We're doing it well. We're feeding a lot of people. I just bought a new Fucking freezer, probably yeah. from you guys. Feed them. <laughs> yeah. Feed the people. Feed the people. Yeah. All right, I guess that brings us to plugs, guys. Here's a plug we have to do. Pentagon. Some of us are actually going. Uh, uh, I Josh, I know you're on the wrong. fence. You might not be able to get the – if you don't have the shots, don't go. I, I will not. Um, so I, I do get to sneak into phase two. I don't know why. There's, so there's a first phase two and a second phase two in Massachusetts, which yeah. makes me seem there should be a phase two and a phase three and a phase four. And a like phase why? five? Well, let's just make if, if you're going to have differentiation, you should, I don't know, numerically – differentiate them, but apparently they're just like, no, it's phase two, but oh, not everyone's in phase two who's in phase two. You you're phase in phase 2.5. Two yeah. I'm in phase two, part like, B. Okay. Phase yeah. two, double secret probation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Robot house. Robot house. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, I know it's May 21st or 23rd. Yep. I would like to be there. Uh, I'm not sure if I will. But good luck. God bless. Pensacon. I get it. I so get it that the rest of the summer and the early fall are just so jam-packed with everybody else trying to get around this, get to it, do everything else. Start doing stuff. God God damn it. And people are like, no. No. Or it's just already booked and you're just screwed. I get it. 
Uh, it's just so early. I, I, I can't imagine that's going to happen, but I really hope it does. Me and too. thank you, everyone from Pensacana. I thank you all the guests who we're going to try to get there. <laughs> yep. I'm still thinking about Weekend of Birdies. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, not, you have anything to play? Not wrong. I'd like to thank Kirby Crackle for providing our geek rock music every week. You can check him out at KirbyCracklemusic.com. You should also go over to our YouTube channel so you can see how handsome Tom is when he takes his glasses off. That's over at YouTube. Just search for the long box, guys. It's like the 1980s. Oh, my God. He just got (laughs) – now let your hair down. Oh, my God. Yep. Uh, uh, In my pants. Uh, and we also, of course, want to thank everybody who has been following us on Twitter, also at the Long Box Guys. And Stacy, where can people find your uh, all your cool photos of your toys? You can find those on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Geeky Vixen, all one word. And don't no, you Josh, cheat on no. us? <laughs> yeah, you have all the podcasters, Ace. I I do. I, I do some podcasting and blogging for the Retro Network. Uh, so thanks for the segue into that plug. I actually have another thing I want to plug. Um, I am not involved with it. Well, I'm marginally involved. Um, but there is actually a virtual convention happening this weekend called Assembly Required. Um, my husband was one of the... Uh, co-founders of it. Uh, They had their inaugural convention last year in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a small convention, but it's one for people who are into independent toys. So a lot of people who make art toys, my husband makes art toys. Um, he is not participating this year, but our friend Brandon of Warlords of War is going to be uh, virtually attending. <laughs> so um, you can find all of the details at assembly-required.net. And uh, it should be a fun time. It, it's a really cool show. You can see all of the creative ways that people uh, make toys into art. So uh, I'm excited about checking out some of it this weekend. And I think you guys should, too. Well, maybe we shall. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. this is going to get published next Monday. <laughs> yeah, well, it should still it should still be online. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what? I'll try to get it up early this week. Well, we'll we'll notify your wife. Because I'm going to get get it up early because I only get an erection every once in a while is what he's saying. Yeah, the third of every month. What he was saying? Yeah, so. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Never yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right, kids. Speaking of Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. I'd like Tommy? to plug geekorthodox.com. 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 Hello, Tammy. Geekorthodox.com, purveyor of fine t-shirts and other geeky things, such as stained glass prints, posters, socks, baseball caps, you name it, they got it. And the baseball t-shirts are super comfy. Yeah. I got one this week. 
I owe a dollar to the, the thing, too. Oh, Josh, let's also talk about Swords of Beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, Swords of Beer, like a lot of you guys, we always talk about beer. Uh, Josh is a big beer aficionado. Uh, if you go over to Swords and Beer uh, Twitter page, uh, Josh talks about beer, talks about uh, Swords, and he talks about beer. Yeah, best things about life. What <laughs> Conan, what a life is free, Swords and Beer. Swords and you bear. You think that beer costs money, but when you have a sword, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'll trade you this sword. I'll trade you this beer for that sword. Stab. What did you learn? <laughs> Swords are better than beer. Swords are better. That's right. I would uh, like to plug Designium Premium Store on eBay. It is where I got my awesome Peter Potamus and So-So shirt. You can go there. They have a ton of Hanna-Barbera characters there. I was shocked when I found an undercover elephant T-shirt because originally I thought it was a different character's T-shirt. <laughs> I thought that was Muttley, but then I took a good look. It was undercover elephant the whole time. It's tough to discern. Yeah. By its very nature. He's tricky. He is a motherfucker. He's like like a giant private eye. He might be right there, but you don't see him. Very tricky. All right, Mikey, what is this podcast like to you? It's like drunk rambling history, but for comics. Yeah. For comics. Sweet, sweet Tommy, 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 Tommy. Impeach a motherfucker already. (laughs) <laughs> Stacy, my girl. Yes. What's this podcast like to you? Are it's like sitting. Play? It's like sitting at the cool kids' table. Ah, we're not that cool. Josh, Pentagon, not your sector. Not yet. I mean, but come by and play Lords of Waterdeep because I just picked up that board game and I haven't played it yet, and I need somebody to play it with. So Ooh, my sector are people who show up at my house and play Lords of Waterdeep. Figure it the fuck out. Let's do it this weekend, buddy. Yeah, come on down. Tommy, you, you up? Uh, I got to work this weekend. Yeah, that's bullshit. No, it's true. We'll get Janet to come up. And bullshit. Oh, that, uh, there we are. You, Tommy, if you had anything? Bullshit. Tommy? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yes. I said impeach the motherfucker already. Yeah, he's got something. It's got bullshit. And don't forget what I always say. Don't hate what you dislike. Just promote what you love. Gonna say words in random patterns. Just <laughs> love you. Thanks love for the long box, guys. <laughs> long box, guys. Bye bye. <laughs>